Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you feel like the work you do to manage your home and family crowds out any time you could have to connect with both yourself and with others, it's time to increase fairness in the workload it takes to run your household. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll love my foundational course on identity called Finding Me. When you are more full of who you really are, you'll have the confidence you need to be the change maker your family might need from you too. You can enroll with our new free buddy pass at aboutprogress.com slash finding me. Our community shares the biggest struggle that blocks their ability to practice self-care, to find fulfillment, to work on their habits, and to improve their relationships. Lack of time. Women need more time. So how do we get it? We begin with the number one contributor to that lack of time, our responsibilities in managing our homes and families. Across the world, research shows that regardless of if women work inside or paid work outside of the home, they carry the high majority of household responsibilities. This work matters so deeply, and it should matter. But it's also hugely undervalued, both by the world For example, unpaid labor is not accounted for in the world's GDP, but it's also undervalued by ourselves, even in our intimate families. This undervaluing leads to not only a decrease in time for women, but also a decrease in their fulfillment and happiness, coupled with an increase in resentment and marital and relationship discord, right? In my experience, the darkest years of my own motherhood and my marriage have been when my time and my contributions were being the least valued, starting with how I 
valued both myself. Eve Rotsky, author of Fair Play and Unicorn Space, is here today to offer a life-changing solution, one that takes time, practice, and communication, but also one that improves the happiness of every member in a family. Eve calls it the Fair Play System. Before you discount yourself from listening because you can't split the housework 50-50 with your spouse due to countless reasons, know that it starts with one thing, equally valuing each spouse's time and contributions to the home. Today, you'll learn from Eve about the difference it makes when we better value the work being done in the home, how couples can move towards more fairness in distributing household responsibilities, and how doing so will enable far more connection within the home, which is, as Eve puts it, our most important organization. Just a quick heads up, this is normally a swear-free podcast, but there will be one curse word in this episode repeated maybe two or three times, and I couldn't take it out, which you will understand when you hear the context of that swear word. Eve Rotsky, welcome to About Progress. One of the things I loved that you shared about in the beginning of your book, Fair Play, was about this blueberry story because... I think all of us have a blueberry story where we are realizing that things are not, not the way they should be necessarily, but the way we want them to be, you know, we're raised in a, in a positive society. I think more than our moms were about women can do it all, but I think our generation of women are sick of doing it all. Yes. (laughs) We're sick of doing it all. And that's your blueberry story. I'd love for you to share your own experience of realizing you were tired of doing it all. And what experience you had with realizing this is not the way I want to live my life anymore. Yes. If you can unpack this day that started my fair play journey, which was 10 years ago, I'm actually at my blueberries breakdown anniversary. So we're celebrating it together around this time where I had uh, just had my second son, Ben, and I had a three-year-old Zach. And I remember being in the car and I was racing to get my older son, Zach, that his toddler transition program. And I received this text, this ping from Seth that says, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. I can still conjure up the rage from seeing that text. My heart yeah. started pounding. Hmm. I look around me. I had a breast pump and a diaper bag on the passenger seat of my car. I had gifts for a newborn baby to return in the backseat. I had a client contract in my lap with a pen in between my legs. <laughs> and this rage I had over feeling that Seth was defining me by my being his fulfiller of his smoothie needs literally made me pull over and made me pull over, which we don't do lightly in LA. I'm from New York, but I live in LA now and we take traffic seriously. So Mm -hmm. to pull over and to be late to pick up Zach, something had to be fundamentally wrong. And really what it was, was this realization that nothing about my life Monica was as I expected, as you said, nothing was what it was supposed to be. The career marriage combo I thought I was going to have that I worked so hard to have wasn't coming to fruition for me. I, I honestly, I didn't even have a name anymore. And I had sat in a circle, you know, two months earlier with a teacher who said to me, these people around you look around, they're going to be the best friends you ever have in your life. And looking down at my name tag, Monica, and it having Zach's mom on it and thinking, how are these people going to be my best friends when they don't even know my name? <laughs> and that was the context for understanding that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live like this anymore. It didn't happen overnight, but I started to become conscious conscious of the stress and overwhelm and the burden and the assumptions on me now that I had become a mother. And like you said, it's not overnight. I think I relate in many ways, but I, I didn't have a career. I actually chose to, to leave my career as a teacher and stay home with my kids. And I felt that exact same feeling of feeling lost and stuck. And, you know, you, you have the circumstances you always wanted, But when it feels so different and your identity is so wrapped up 
and who you're supposed to be and who you thought you wanted to be, but it's not playing out well in your day-to-day life, it is really hard to unpack. So I love that you're saying it wasn't like this overnight thing. Like you pull over, you're like, oh, I'm going to fix this. And here's how. 10 years. It took me 10 years to unpack this. And that's why I think, you know, your listeners give yourself some grace, right? This has been a 10 year unpacking journey for me through writing and research, literally uncovering every single article Mm -hmm. that's ever been written about what they call (laughs) the gender division of labor, the second shift, the mental load, emotional labor, invisible work. Women have been talking about ways to fix themselves for a hundred years. How many freaking tools do we need just to exist, Hmm. exist and to want the same things that our male counterparts have, right? The ability to choose how we use our time. Hmm. And so that, that realization that this is so much bigger than blueberries, right? But that is why I really honestly felt like I had to devote my life to understanding that any equity we can fight for, we can bring forward any happiness and meaning, joy. It's going to come from addressing the fundamental unfairness of what we've done to women in the home. Mm -hmm. This is honestly the biggest obstacle the women in my community face. We do a lot of identity work. We work on habits. We're a personal development podcast, right? So we Mm -hmm. do a lot of things like that, but the biggest hurdle is always time. And the biggest part of that time is how spread thin we are within our own homes, whether we're stay at home moms or we work outside the home or we work inside the home, whatever combo it is. And so this is where we need to focus. It starts in the home. If we want women to thrive, they need to thrive in the home with their responsibilities that are taking up their time. And I I wanted to spend a little bit of time on, on one thing though. And it's the signs that things are not equitable in your home. And we're not talking about 50, 50. I don't think it's always so obvious that you are living this way in a way that is so imbalanced until you have those blueberry moments or other moments that are showing you, Oh, I don't, I don't like who I am anymore. I'm resentful. I'm angry. I'm a shell of myself. I'm lost. I'm depressed, whatever it might be. I think you have a great way of helping women understand what this looks like. What are the signs that you need to work on having a fair play household? Great question. And I would say, you know, don't wait till you're at resentometer 10, right? Don't, don't wait till you're at where I was, where I felt like the only solution was to, as my friend said, well, you can, you know, just use three words to change your life. And I was like, okay, what are those three words? And she's like, court ordered custody. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I could leave my marriage and that would be an option. But I, I came out of a single mother household, Monica. And so I'd been really thinking about the toll that it took on us when my father left and the extreme burnout and hardships my mom had to endure as the mother of me and us and my brother's special needs. Hmm. And it, you know, and her fight for her place in the world and her unicorn space, which we will call it, which is this idea of the space that we have to find meaning and purpose and happiness, the space that makes women come alive. That's still extremely subversive because the idea of spending time on ourselves is always frowned upon in any, any of our societies, especially the traditional ones. But these are signs that you could benefit from these tools. One is how you, me, Monica, how we perceive our own time. And what I mean by that is if we don't understand that our time is diamonds, that our time is equal to our male counterparts. And this happens in non-heterosisgender relationships as well. When maybe someone is the breadwinner and someone is a stay-at-home parent. So, but let's focus on the women married to men right now, because that's where a lot of our gendered stereotypes come out of. So you start seeing things in society that say, well, breastfeeding is free. We are conditioned to believe our time is worth less than men's time. I think you could look for the self-talk. Now, if you've ever said one of these four things to yourself, you will benefit from this podcast. If you've ever said I do more in the home because my husband makes more money than me. This podcast is for you. If you've ever said, I do more in the home because my job is more flexible. 
This is for you. If you've ever said, I do more in the home because in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they, what to do, I should do it myself. This podcast is for you. If you've ever said to yourself, I'm a better multitasker. I'm wired differently for care. I know things. I see things in a way that my partner doesn't. This podcast is for you because not one of those toxic time messages that you've said to yourself are true. Mm -hmm. If you've said any of those things to yourself, you continue to listen on because what those things do is they start to make you believe your time is infinite like sand and your partner's time should be guarded like a finite diamond. Mm -hmm. And then you get into a place where you are handling most or all of the unpaid labor of the home because you think it's your job because your partner brings home the money, or you think it's your job because you're a better multitasker, or you think it's your job because no one else will do it. Or if you tell them they will do it wrong, or you think it's your job because your partners, you know, you can find the time. Well, I'm here to tell you that unless we're Albert Einstein and we know how to mess with the space-time continuum, there's actually no way to find time. There's just different expectations over how women are supposed to use our time. Hmm. And I do remember that that was ultimately the breakthrough, Monica, that led Seth and me to the fair play journey. Didn't mean it was perfect. It didn't mean that we had to readjust and, you know, start over with our practices during COVID. But what I remember thinking to myself was, this isn't about blueberries. This is about the fact that when Seth gets home from work, he has three hours or four hours to watch sports center, work out, finish a PowerPoint deck, go to sleep early where I'm up an hour later, two hours later, doing things in service of our household, literally until the, my head hits the pillow. And you know what, Seth, I deserve as much time choice, regardless of what our financial situation is. I deserve as much time choice over how I use my day as you do. And if you get those four hours, I want those four hours. Okay. So we both can't get those four hours because there's so much we're drowning in unpaid labor. Okay. Well then maybe you're going to get three hours and I'm going to start getting one hour back and we'll move to fairness. Doesn't always have to be 50, 50, but it was an understanding that my time is diamonds and I was going to fight for my time, Monica. And that took a lot of, of internal work to unravel all the conditioning that had been, has been around for us. I actually happened to be on an airplane this week and I never read Us Weekly anymore or any of those magazines because it's just too toxic and mm -hmm. I'm too far along on my journey. But my friend was reading one. So I, I got, I just took a picture of it and I'll read it to you. It's about Olivia Munn and her boyfriend, John. They just had a baby, apparently. And this is what I'm reading. John goes back on tour in March and he'll try to be with Olivia and the baby as much as he can. <laughs> Next one was... Neither of them have done this before because they're talking about their new baby, but they're learning quick, everything from feeding and napping times and changing diapers. John has been surprisingly very hands-on and actually helping out. <laughs> this is his child. I mean, helping out, babysitting his child. What has society done to us that we can just read that? And if we don't unpack it, we're just fed those messages day after day after day since the moment we were born. One of my friends said, her husband said, if he ever needed a boost in confidence, he could just take the kids to the park. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Just absolutely. the amount of praise of, that he got from, from caring for his children. And yet we, we do that too. Like we, we, we act surprised. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We act surprised. We do. But that's, again, that's being what I call CIYO, complicit in your own oppression. Hmm. And it's okay. It's just about, we're all complicit in our own oppression because that's, what we've been trained to be. So it's not a bad thing. It's just about understanding what happens when you get into consciousness that it may not be perfect tomorrow, but that, that, you know, that there's a different way. There's actually a different way to do things that are in benefit. It doesn't mean your partner is going to be miserable and saddled down with all this hellish work. Taking care of your own kids is actually extremely meaningful for men. And I will say that my husband has become an incredibly different human, a better businessman, a more successful person, the more fair play cards. That's our metaphor, right? That you hold the cards. There's a hundred of them. The more cards he started to hold, 
the better his life became. And that's not an accident. This is good for both people because being meaningfully engaged in, in the caregiving of the people around you is really our, it's, it's what our legacy is. It's what our active legacy is. You know, I feel like a lot of women, when they're, they're listening to this, they're going to have like their, is that hackles? Yeah. <laughs> is that the word? It, it sounds right. But you know, the hackles go up and being like, but the home is important. Like what, what we do at home matters. And they, they kind of get that, that inner oppression coming out where they're like, you're saying that it doesn't matter. And it's the exact opposite. And that's what I loved about your book so much is it's valuing the unpaid labor. It's valuing the time yep. at an hour, holding a child's hand in the pediatrician's office is just as valuable as an hour in the boardroom. Hmm. It is just as valuable or more valuable. And the reason why that guides my work is because if we believe that as a society, then men will do it and it will free up women's time and, and allow us to achieve economic security. And that's what I care about. I care about how we value what we do. And the problem so far has been, we can pretend that we care about mothers as a whole, but you put your money where your mouth is. Unpaid labor is not part of our US GDP. Yep. Unpaid labor is a women's issue. And the truth is that, you know, the dirty secret that we exposed during the pandemic is that women's unpaid labor is actually the foundation of our society, right? We've built our society on the backs of the unpaid labor of women. And, and, and then the toxic sort of messages of, well, if you're so overwhelmed, get help. And so if you're privileged enough to be able to get help, then just you're, we're building the backs of the unpaid labor of women and then the undervalued labor of domestic workers, largely other women. Yeah. Other women. Right. Mm -hmm. So we got to break that cycle. And the way we do that is, you know, when we invite men to their full power in the home, we as women can step out into our full power in the world. Ah, so beautiful. Next up, you'll hear Eve share what the fair play system looks like, how you can start implementing it, and what's in it for the men. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So Eve, I want to I talk about what fair play means <laughs> because I, I, I'm a bean counter. Like I'm one of seven children. And I w- was told that, I don't know how many times growing up, stop being a bean counter, Monica. I was just born with that brain to look for imbalance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I went into my marriage thinking that we would split things 50, 50. I went into being a mom thinking, oh, Brad will get up just as much as I do at night. But, you know, you brought up breastfeeding. I, I, I breastfed my kids and I learned real quick that that was not possible. And I had to shift my perspective on a fair play, not being like we 50, 50 split every household responsibility that didn't work for our family with the structure that we had. So how about you explain what fair play even means? Absolutely. Fair play is 100% not 50, 50, because there was this weird time in the nineties where there was these books called equally shared parenting, where they said things like, well, if you get up one night, you get up the next night. If you go to work one day, you get to go to work the next day. You make exactly the same salary. It's just, it was mind-numbingly complicated and it ma- literally made no sense. Yeah. What happened to me after, as we said, the blueberries breakdown was a really interesting realization that like you, I'm a bean counter, or I believe in fairness and justice. I'm a lawyer. And also by being a lawyer, but you know, there's this new term called design thinking, which I always laugh at because Lawyers are really the only design thinkers 
for our society. I mean, we all can, but if you want to stop, have a car stop, design a society where cars stop at a stop sign, guess what you're going to do? You're going to pass a law saying that they should stop at the stop sign, right? So, (laughs) so I've been thinking about designing society since I was a little kid and wanted to be a lawyer. And in that design, what I understood to be true is that, like you said, that the world should feel like there's fairness, there's justice. I've been sold that bill of goods since I was a kid that girls could do whatever boys do. And that wasn't playing out in my marriage. So I did what first all type A women would do, right? I opened up Excel and I started an Excel spreadsheet that was called the should I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is 10 years ago now that allowed me to connect to a community of women to make me realize I'm not alone. I, I had a call for women all over the country. Again, this is early days of social media, but it was mainly through friends of friends of friends who started to help me populate a spreadsheet that I said, what did what would you do with your time? You know, what that's two minutes or more that may be invisible to your partner or your kids. And things started flooding in, like, you know, making school lunches and taking kids to the dentist, but things I didn't even know, Monica, like uh, Girl Scout cookies, ordering and sales, like that's five hours. And then there was like, you know, application of sunscreen. I had put two minutes, but then this woman said to me, well, what about 30 minutes for the chase? Right. So it became this beautiful exercise. And I finally sent it off to Seth one day, the 19 million megabyte spreadsheet that I made with this beautiful community of women across the world. And when he emails me back, he didn't even give me the courtesy of, of a word. He gave me like an old pixelated monkey emoji that's covering its eyes. (laughs) And I think that day was a very important day for me because it was my realization that I should have known better as mm-hmm. a lawyer and an organizational management specialist who work, I work, my day job is I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession. And you should feel bad for me if you're listening here, but I should have known better. Lists alone don't work. Yeah, I've been saying that for 10 years in my business context, when I facilitate for families, systems do. And so once I re- had that realization, I said, you know what? I can leave my marriage. I could resign myself to doing it all because I just did this amazing spreadsheet that didn't work. Or I could remember that I could become my own client. And that's what fair play is about. It's the answer to the question I asked 10 years ago that changed my life, which was, what if we started to treat our homes as our most important organizations. <laughs> and then I started to realize that if I could use all of these tactics, these systems, the design thinking, the law to design a system based on 50 years of organizational management scholarship that, that uses that research and applies it to the home, I could possibly save my marriage. And yes, you may, listeners may be out there saying, well, why is it on you to save your marriage? It should have been on Seth. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes the people who are most oppressed have to start taking agency in their own life to change it for themselves. And that's what I decided to do. And fair play is based on this ultimate second question. That was the follow-up to the first question, which is if you, if you treat your home as your most important organization, I started to ask people, Monica, on the, should I do spreadsheet? So I would ask people, well, who is in charge of the cultural enrichment of your family? Who decides who's taking the kids to the museum? Well, we both do. Okay. Well, who's in charge of charity and community service? Well, we both are. Who's in charge of, you know, knowing what's happening in your family's calendar? We both are. Who's in charge of planning your kid's birthday celebration? We both are. So I was getting this mind numbing answer (laughs) that I knew wasn't true because all these women were also reporting extreme resentment. And the men were reporting that they didn't know what to do, that they couldn't get anything right. So I was like, well, this is not helpful. And then I was able to unpack those answers that were not helpful in the science with the most important question I've asked in 10 years, which is how did mustard get in your refrigerator? And I asked them 17 countries. Now we're Uh over like 10,000 people. Hmm. And the most common answer is became what the fair play system is. The most common answer for women married to men was I monitor the mustard. I I see that my second son, Johnny likes French's yellow mustard with his protein. Otherwise he chokes, he won't eat it. 
in the business world, we call that conception. People get paid big bucks to notice and to address problems. Hmm. And then I would hear, oh yeah. And then I monitor the mustard for when it's running low and I get stakeholder buy-in for my family for what they need at the grocery store. They didn't actually stay stakeholder buy-in, but that's a planning. That's the planning stage. People also get paid big bucks for that. And then I would hear, oh yeah. And then my husband went to the store and he brings home spicy Dijon every time Eve, and you want me to, to trust him with my living will. Well, that's not going to happen because the dude can't even bring home the right type of mustard. And that was it. Once mm-hmm. I realized that that is the crux of it, mm-hmm. when women hold conception and planning and men help out with execution, that is a complete and total organizational failure that is actually easily solvable. It is easily solvable with what I call the ownership mindset. When you keep the conception, planning, and execution together, even if it's just one card out of the hundred, so you start with that much unfairness, but your partner takes on one card with full CPE, it is life-changing. And I know that now from our data. And that's, that is it. That is fair play in a nutshell. And I, I'm taking you through it to show you how I got to that research, but it's been 10 years of research to understand that that organizational breakdown of women holding the conception and planning, whereas men are stepping in an execution leads to lowering of standards of fighting about the minimum standard of care, not understanding what it means to complete a task, hmm. AKA, you know, garbage does not mean putting a liner back in. Hmm. So there is a new and different way to do it. And that's what makes me so excited to still talk about this 10 years later. I think the bean counter side of me was really good at thinking it was fair. If I gave a list or if it was like the to do's, you know, divided, here's what you need to do. Here's what I'm going to do, but you're right. It's, it's so much more than that. Conceptual. Is that how you say it? Conception, planning, Conception, planning and execution. execution. Yeah. Okay. So the, what you're trying to encourage with fair play is it's taking over a task in the home with full CPE. So you yep. both conceive of it, you're tracking it, you're planning on how to take care of it and you're executing it instead of just being told this is what you're doing. I'll give you an example, okay. um, a small example, because I think it's, it's a fun one. It's a stay at home mom named Amy and Richard, and they decided to f- play fair play during the pandemic. And what I love about this story, Monica, is that it's small, but it sort of really encapsulates all to me of what the fair play principles are. So they decide to play fair play. It's a metaphor. You can read the book and see what the cards are. We actually have cards to help you have discussions. And caution, if you use them like a list, they will become a list. So don't do that. But what they're there for is to say, well, hey, what do we want to do together? What motivation intentions do we want to set together as a family? Do we want to have a car? Hmm. That's a question we should ask ourselves. Do we want to celebrate our child's birthday? Okay, great. That'll stay in the depth. Do we need to keep track of appointments? Okay, great. So a calendar, we need somebody needs to be calendar keeper. So the part, the part of fair play that's most fun is when you build your deck together, hmm. it allows the resentments, as you said, the bean counter mentality to stay away because hmm. you're not here to count who's holding what cards or scorekeep in a minutia. You're here to understand first holistically, what do we care about as a family? Because we don't do that. We make assumptions. So fair play is to get to the opposite of assumptions. So this couple starts playing, they decide to leave magical beings in their hand. And for them, they defined it as lucky Amy's Irish. So they defined it as lucky leprechaun. Apparently they're, they, they decided not to do elf on the shelf, but they told me they were keeping in Santa and the Easter bunny and tooth fairy. And then Richard tells me that he's taking over the magical beings card. Okay. That's what happens. So Amy, you know, says, okay, we're going to do this. And the first time the scenario comes up, you can predict what's going to happen. The tooth fairy doesn't come Hmm. for their child, for their daughter. And so before fair play, what Amy told me would have happened, this is the dynamic in their house. Before fair play, she would have said, you've ruined our child's life. You're the worst father that ever existed. You know, all the magic is gone. She would have started to use her verbal assassin language mm-hmm. that she calls herself a verbal assassin. I have a tone issue. She's more of the verbal assassin. And 
Richard told me not only would he've heard that from Amy, but he would have blamed her for not reminding him to put the dollar under the pillow. That was their dynamic. So then post fair play, what Amy reports is that Richard, the first thing he does is say, I messed up. That was my responsibility. So there was no blame. So once she heard that, all of a sudden she said she was disarmed. She couldn't get so mad and angry and loud. She just said, well, yeah, it was. And I'm sorry. We all, I guess we make mistakes, but you know, fair play is about carrying through your mistakes. It's your ownership mindset. So what are you going to do about it? And she's like, don't tell me, just tell your daughter. So she just sort of let it, let it go. Yeah. Richard tells me he emails toothfairy at gmail.com. He actually creepily gets a response. Someone responds to that email and says, I'm sorry, I couldn't get to your house. I'm overwhelmed with teeth. There's a supply chain backup or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. He prints out the email, shows it to his daughter and says, look, the tooth fairy is, is, is backed up. There's a lot of supply t- chain issues. She's going to pick up your tooth tonight, it looks like. But when she comes late, she brings double the money. And now his daughter, he says, has been asking, is the tooth fairy going to come late so I can get double the money? (laughs) It is such a beautiful story to me because that whole dynamic of that family is different. Just by understanding that the the lack of assumptions, the understanding who's doing what, customizing your defaults, but most importantly, allowing the space to make mistakes. And that is what, you know, I I just, I love that couple. I mean, I love so many stories, but that one makes me really happy. Here's the thing. This is where like, we get to the point where I am overwhelmed because like, this is it. This is right. This is what we need. I'm ready to be a change maker in my home. I'm ready to say things need to be different. I'm ready to put in the work, but where do I start? (laughs) Like, yeah, what's next? Well, I think the first thing I would say is maybe listen to this once or twice, right. Um, really, you know, live with this understanding. I think what I always say is people want to jump right into action, which is so exciting. And I love that this is becoming a cultural movement. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that this is, again, this took me 10 years to unlearn. You know, Monica also has had a lot of experience now working in the self-care space, right? This, These are practices. Yes. These are practices, right? I wish I could give you the matrix pill and say, if I give you the red <laughs> pill, everything will be fair tomorrow. But I think what the most important thing I could say for where to start is start where you are. And if you're in a place where you say, well, this could never work for me or my family, then what I would ask you to do is just live, live with this. All you have to do is just live with this, with this consciousness that we're here for you, that we see you, that we think your work is valuable that you deserve to have a name, not just be Zach's mom on a name tag, that you deserve time for yourself, that you deserve a permission to be unavailable from your roles as a partner, parent, and or professional, that just because your partner is a monetary breadwinner doesn't mean that your time shouldn't have boundaries and value. So that's what I would say. I would say, stay with us, be mm-hmm. here with us, live in some of this understanding because you'll start to recognize this unfairness around you. And then the next step, I would say, if you want to take self-talk to talking and communicating with somebody else, that is the next step. It's recognizing that before you get to a place where you can quote unquote play, you want to get on a in a place where you can practice. And the most important practice, and this was really fun, Monica, I, I, I surveyed a thousand people on social media asking them what their most important practices. And, you know, mainly I got self-care practices, which was good. I'm glad people are starting to understand those are important, but not one in the thousand said communication. Hmm. And I did that on purpose because I wanted to be able to say this to you. I wanted to say I had the data that no one (laughs) considers communication, their most important practice, but I'm here to tell you that communication is your most important practice. It is not a means to an end. And the problem is that most communication we do feels like, well, I had to tell him to get the toys off the floor or to make the bed or to get the kids out the door. We look at communication like a means to an end where if we start to look at it as a practice, 
like exercise. There's some days we do it shitty or like I, every day I do it shitty. And maybe one day I'd go on like a 10 block run. But the idea is that I'm trying and striving for something better for something that's going to benefit me and the other person, my body in this case, but communication should be looked at like that. And so that's what I would say. I would say, start with understanding how we talk to ourselves and then how we talk to others. I like how those are alliteration there, (laughs) consciousness and communication. And I I mean, it really, it can, those two things alone can change everything. You know, at the end of the day, those who have read your book, which people need to do, I I would say that's actually the first step. I would say, Mm -hmm. go read Eve's book, but those who have even gone to this place, I think they'll find maybe their cards aren't 50, 50, but the value of time is shifted in their marriage. So both sides feel like they are, they are guarding diamonds and they're guarding each other's diamonds instead of this like infinite sand pit of time that women seem to have. Right. And, and that alone, I think can put you on the trajectory to longstanding fulfillment, growth, love in the marriage. And actually that's where I'd love to end what's in it for the men. You know, we've talked about, this isn't just for heteronormative marriages, but largely that's where this comes up. So what's on the other side of this for the men and for our families, for households? Well, it's funny because I, I, this story was told to me now before the pandemic and Monica, it still makes me tear up. It does. I can't, I can't, I, was, I haven't even told it yet and I'm already tearing up, but one of my clients called me and he's like, I was really thinking about you at this funeral. And I was like, well, that's good or bad that you think about <laughs> me at funerals. And this is right before COVID. And he had read my book, which I thought was so nice and sweet as a client, but he was at this funeral of this Titan of business in the Pacific Northwest. He's in the same circles as my client. And he goes to this packed church, this funeral, and this man's three daughters are in white and they go up to the podium and they don't give any context. They don't say who they are. They just start reciting a poem. So the first daughter goes up and it's this very silly sort of Shel Silverstein, Dr. Seuss, green eggs and ham. I don't like them Sam I am type poem. And he's like, the audience is a little confused. And then the next daughter goes up and she recites another beautiful, silly rhyming poem. And then the third daughter goes up and pulls her old piece of paper out and recites a poem. And then they all three lean lean into the microphone and say, that was the um, poems our father wrote for us as a tooth fairy. Hmm. (laughs) Back to this tooth fairy that keeps coming up, this magic of the connection. He said that after that, no one could really top the speeches or talk about his business. It all felt not relevant because wow, that's what people were remembering and talking about. And, and it's not just at the end of our lives. As I said earlier, the act of legacy, what's in it for men is understanding that they are more than just capital. Hmm. You're more than just your breadwinner identity. And that's what we've done to so many men. We've put them in these boxes and, and men have been defined in such small boxes for so long too, that the idea of caring for a child is not something we even expect. It's demeaning. It's, it's sad. It's demoralizing. Men deserve a chance to understand their role in their home. That's what psychological safety really is in the workplace and at home. This idea that, you know, your role, you know, how you fit in. And when you do, it is magical It leads to such beautiful things. And another man said to me that he was taking his, his child to, to Michael's. And he's like, you know, you should check out that store. It's really cool. It has lots of crafts. And I was like, oh yeah, I've heard of that store. Um, (laughs) He was taking his son to Michael's for the first time to help him with a popsicle stick jewelry box. And he hadn't done it before, but it was inspired by fair play. And he said to me that the benefit was his son started crying to him in the car because his mother-in-law was dying. Mm. And the truth is, I want to ask you, if you're women listening, would you report to somebody else that your child cried to you today? I'll tell you, I wouldn't because my children cry to me every day. It's not special, <laughs> yeah. but I believe he told me that story because he probably hadn't had an experience like that where his son opened up to him alone with the vulnerability about something he was sad about. That type of connection is, it's, it's, it cannot be taken away from us. And it's what we're going to be remembered for. So 
we want to, that's what's in it for men. It is high stakes. And the last thing I will say is literally it's linked to men's longevity. Hmm. Men who are in healthy relationships at 50 were the ones who are most likely to be alive at 80. Hmm. So it is, it is women. We have a lot of other things linked to our longevity for men. It's the quality of their primary relationship in their life, their partner. I've heard you say this phrase and it was something that like jumped out to me so much that I think it's one of those ingrained phrases now is housework is humanity. And, you know, we, as women, I think we have so much of that housework that we're missing out on the humanity. Yeah. And it's felt like the men have been missing out on the housework, which connects them with humanity. And to me, the fair, fair play, that's, that's what it's about. It's about trying to distribute both. So both partners can experience the, the true fulfillment and what life is really about the humanity that is in our own households together. So I just want to thank you. And, so and with this. Well, thank you. Well, this, I mean, your book, I, I read 80 books last year and yours like tops the, the chart for me and, and both how good it felt to be connected to other women across the world. Like you said, many times who have found themselves in the same position but it also felt good to have so many practical ways to move forward with it. Cause it felt like this weird, like otherworldly meta problem that was hard to, to pin down. And you did it, Eve, you, you somehow did it. And I'm just so inspired by you, the work that you're doing. And I can't wait for what's next. I, I can't leave you without saying like, tell, show us the book. And oh, I mean, yay, they won't okay. see it, but yes, here, the new here's... book is, is out. Well, what's fun about this is there's actually a coloring page in it. So you can color. Cool. Yeah. My daughter colored it in for me. It's, it's, it is Starling. all, all devoted to the understanding that the antidote to burnout is, is sadly not a walk around the block or even a drink with a friend. It's being interested in your own life. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole book devoted to that, to claiming, leveling up anything and everything that makes you come alive, living in, in abandon in those moments, recognizing that, you know, I'm not a big inspirational quotes person, but I will say, you know, the quote that, you know, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's learning to dance in the rain Hmm. only if you're not drowning though, Um, we do (laughs) need umbrellas and this book it's called find your unicorn space is about those umbrellas the things that can't be taken away from us. And I will say like this podcast for you, whether you make a dollar from it or a billion dollars from it, Monica, this, the secret formula that I talk about in unicorn space, which is a combination of curiosity. And so in other stories, like you do so well, plus connection you share with the world. And then the last thing, which is so important completion, no matter how it goes well, or doesn't go well, you're your guest veers off, you, you edit this and you put it out in the world. That, that formula is, is the, is what we all deserve to have because it it is linked to our, our mental and physical health. And so keep doing it, keep (laughs) doing it. It's an inspiration to others. Thank you, Eve. And I'm going to send everyone your way. We'll, we'll link to everything Eve from here, but I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. You too. Talk to you soon. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I'm excited to share the progress pointers from this episode because they are good and they're going to help solidify so much of what we shared today in this amazing episode. Those of you who are on my go-getter newsletter will get a graphic of these pointers. Number one, one of the biggest obstacles women face to their own development is their lack of time, largely due to them carrying the high majority of household responsibilities. Two, fairness is not about dividing all household tasks and responsibilities 50-50. It starts with better valuing the work done to manage a home and more equally valuing the time that both spouses have to contribute to the home as well as care for themselves. Three, spouses need to come together to negotiate what matters in their home, then divide up who is in charge of CPE of those things, conception, planning, 
execution. And four, this will not be an overnight process as it involves building up practices within the home. Start with the awareness, in other words, consciousness, and make communication your most important practice. Understand how you talk to yourself and how you talk to others. I know that was a lot, right? So I'm really grateful to Eve. I learned so much from her. By the way, I read her book, loved it. I also have her fair play cards, which I highly recommend too. Your do something challenge for this week is to take a look at how you value your time compared to how you value your spouse's time and have a conversation about that. So take a look at the time discrepancies, the valuing of time, and then have a conversation. This week, I'm excited to do a progressor spotlight of Melissa. And this is when I just share some growth and some small wins that I see happening in our community. And you can share those with me on the comments, the DMs, you can email me, leave it in a review. Here's what Melissa shared with me, and I'm sharing it with you with her permission. She says, quote, I have been following you and listening to your podcast for a few years now. When my sister first shared your page with me, I was in the thick of some pretty heavy postpartum anxiety and depression. I lost myself in motherhood and struggled so much. Over the years of following you, I've implemented a few things I've learned, but I was in such a fight for my life with untreated anxiety that I really was having a hard time finding any success. I can finally say that after finding treatment that has helped me come out of the haze, I'm able to begin really applying some of your ways to find myself again. I actually made a DSL and I'm so excited. Thank you for sharing your experience with losing yourself in motherhood and then your path to rediscovering who you are. Unquote. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm proud of you and I'm proud of your honesty and you're right. Sometimes it means we need to have help in deeper ways with really awesome professionals before we're ready to move forward with these other things that we teach here about progress. And I'm glad that's working out for you. Was this episode helpful to you? I'm sure there were a lot of aha moments and a lot of like head nodding, but maybe also some like, hmm, I need to think about that some more. Well, if it was helpful for you, here are two easy and free ways you can in turn help the show. The first is to share about the show with someone you care about. And the second thing you can do is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.